Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. Glad that you're with us for another week of study on the Scattered Abroad Network. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and again, I have with me Wayne Rogers and Scott Kane. Um, one of the things that I think is a, a good thing to touch on, we'll go a little bit religious and secular, and then we'll probably flip-flop it the other way next week with Wayne, uh, but Scott, I want to give you a few moments uh, very briefly to talk about your family Bible time emphasis that you give with your children, your family, and making sure that you give daily attention to God's Word. I think that that is something that uh, needs to be told to other people. So if you want, you can just give a few minutes to tell us a little bit about what maybe you're doing right now. Well, it's something we've been doing for many years, and it has changed over time. When our children were younger, we would use themed days uh, so as to keep their attention and keep it from getting monotonous. but as they became older and more capable of staying focused, uh, we got to where we were studying a chapter a day together and moving through Scripture that way. Um, it had when we first started, you know, I was comfortable standing in front of an audience of ten, a hundred, a thousand. But the f- most frightening teaching scenario was teaching my own children, mm-hmm. and because of that. Uh, it didn't start as early as it should have. Uh, once we got started, though, we realized how much they loved it. And there was a certain accountability because they would be saying, we are going to do Bible time. We're we going to do Bible time. And they're asking about it. They're right. wanting it. And when you see them absorbing it, uh, that was a great motivation. So at this point, we are uh, working our way through Scripture again. Uh, this year we're doing uh, a chronological study of the Bible anywhere from two to six chapters a day, depending on the length of the chapters. And because we've already spent so much time in every chapter uh, in prior years and prior studies, we're having each boy ask at least one question from the chapter and uh, approaching it that way. But we continue to learn and grow, and uh, uh, I continue to learn and grow because they're asking me questions I would not have thought to ask. Right. So, um, But uh, that's really kind of sort of defined us, and we've loved it. Now, when you talk about family Bible time, uh, about how long would you say is is given, depending, I know, obviously, Wednesday nights may be a little different or, or whatever the schedule might be if a church event's going on, but about how long would you say you, you shoot for? Well, for us, it's usually, this year it's been anywhere from 30 minutes to maybe an hour or more, depending on the reading of that day. In previous years, it was significantly longer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were times we would spend maybe two hours or more in an evening in Bible time. And there are those that say, well, that's just, there are so many other things to be doing. What? Mm-hmm. What's more important to be doing? Uh, so we've, we've greatly enjoyed it. It has been, been rigorous uh, at times, but the benefit far outweighs uh, any of the challenge that, that has come with it. Absolutely. Well, and I know from experience, uh, your, your boys are well-behaved when it comes to the scriptures. They're not, uh, they don't seem to be novices in a lot of ways. I, I sometimes sit and I'm amazed at them. We'll be, to, we'll be talking maybe at dinner about something and one of your boys will pipe up and say, yeah, kind of like in this passage. And it's like, that's impressive. That's, that's what it's about. That's what it should be for everybody. And, uh, I'm, I'm thankful 
that you are putting an emphasis on that. It's encouraged us on looking for new ways to do the very same thing. So uh, I wanted to make sure to point that out to people that are that are probably wondering. If you have other questions about that, I'm sure Scott would be willing to help you out with some stuff, maybe some guidelines on where he's gone to find this material. Um, and so we'll put his information down in the show notes for that. Uh be patient with him, though he is a full-time preacher, and he may be dealing with other fires, but he'll get to you, I promise. And uh, I know that he'll he'll answer you and help you in any way that he can. Wayne, from the secular side for this episode, and we've got stuff I know that we want to talk about and highlight for you next episode. What is it like? You've, you've lived in Florida. You lived in the Mississippi area, and now you're in the mountains. Um what what's the difference? I know you love the beauty of the mountains and all of that entails with that, but what is the big difference as far as just the overall living itself? Uh, I think that, uh, and and you're right. From it's it is quite a bit different from living in two different beach areas of Florida, uh, both you know on the right. east coast and in, in Jacksonville Beach in that area, and then in the Gulf Coast, uh, and then to move. To Mississippi, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you know, before that, we were in South Georgia in the right. swamp, right? So we've lived in the swamp, the beaches, you know, uh, in Mississippi alongside the river, and uh, and then now in the mountains, and and certainly we've always gravitated toward the mountains. I mean, we've we we had our when we Cindy and I got married, that's where we went on our honeymoon, visited the mountains, you know, and and enjoyed the beauty there. But we also would go back most every year, either anniversary trip or polishing the pulpit, something that took us back toward the mountains. And, and we just love that and the outdoors of it. And, and it's just beautiful to be around it and, um, and to actually see it in all four seasons yeah. is actually pretty impressive yeah. you know, because when you come sometimes in the spring and the summer and you look at the mountains, it's green, right. it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. But you don't see all the mountains; you see a lot of trees. Yeah, and uh, so which is kind of strange because the Smokies are actually kind of a rainforest, just in elevation, huh. and uh, and it's and it's but it's impressive in that area. And it was, we just love being outdoors and enjoying that. And and the folks that are there in that area, they're very genuine and loving and kind, and they'll tell you whether they like you or don't like you at a drop of a hat. Right? You 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 never have to guess or wonder <laughs> what they're thinking or if they like you. They'll well, tell you. And I know if anybody is your friend on Facebook, you'll often post pictures sure. of your and Cindy's adventures in the mountains. And one of the reasons it's it's him and Cindy is both his boys are now gone, married. And uh, Chris just moved to Idaho. Idaho. I, I keep mm. thinking Iowa, but it's Idaho. <laughs> it's Idaho. And then Matthew's still in the area, mm-hmm. but he's now married off as well. And so you got some empty nesting going on that you're finally able to just kind of focus on traveling with Cindy up into the mountains. And I know y'all do that a lot. So yeah, we do. That's neat. And uh, it's a blessing to get to talk about the pleasures of life that are biblical and holy to talk about and good to enjoy. Uh, but today, we're talking about something that is appointed for every man. It's going to happen. Uh, and you would think if you had something that happened this often and this consistently, I mean, every day this happens. Um, I don't know the exact statistics, but I would venture to say the statistics would bear out that it happens several times throughout the day at various hours, and it could be that it happens maybe on average at least once an hour that this could be the case. And we're talking about death. And the first question I have is is kind of a tough one because usually when you do something over and over again, we, we talk about when you work with your hands, 
you'll develop these calluses on your hands, and your hands will become rough, and they won't be breaking open as bad or blistering when you're working with your hands, and you become used to hard labor. Will we ever get used to death? Is, is it ever going to be a situation where I can look at my life from a, a spiritual standpoint of the, the body itself and, and kind of have a spiritual callus to the idea? Because obviously physically there's no callus to be developed. I don't get cut open every time a loved one dies. But emotionally speaking, will I ever be calloused and be used to death? You know, it made me think that there are certain jobs and career lines that deal with death on a regular basis a lot more than your average person. Mm-hmm. And... I hear talk from some of those individuals, you know, and, and there are some calluses that are built up. And, um, and, and those folks who have gotten that far along in that process, um, they really struggle. And, uh, and they say, you know, once you get to that point, you know, where it's not a big deal anymore, you're in trouble. Right. It should never be that way. And I think, you know, Job's friend Bildad referred to death as the king of terrors. Um, and I'm not sure that we're supposed to get used to the idea of death. Mm-hmm. It's not how it was supposed to be. Right. And, you know, when you think about um, the, if, if, there was, if we were getting used to death in that sense, there may not be much incentive then for living for heaven. And John writes by inspiration, Revelation 21.4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death. No sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain. The former things have passed away. There should be something that we're looking forward to. And if you take death out of that picture, where you know there's no concern at all about death, then there's no incentive possibly for heaven uh, in that. And that would be that would be a scary scenario as well. Right. Just thinking about the other side of that. Uh, but the truth is, we don't. Even though we're not getting used to it, we do not have to fear mm-hmm. death. And so, you know, that's part of the work of Jesus was to help us in overcoming that fear of death. The Hebrews writer makes clear, Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. So uh, we do not have to fear it. Uh, it's part of life, and we have, to, we have to learn how to overcome it. Right. And that is only through Christ. Sure. When you think about becoming desensitized to it, because that's what getting used to it means. I, I'm desensitized to it or I'm just able to go through the motions and face it mechanically. It is possible for your, your soldier who is facing battlefield after battlefield, or for your police officer, for your emergency responders, to get accustomed fairly quickly to witnessing the aftermath of death mm-hmm. of strangers. What is even going to be more difficult for them is dealing with the death of loved ones. And when when you're a preacher, it can be possible to to see death so often and to help families with death so often that the impact upon you is not what it may have been when you first started working in that uh, that effort. But even at that, when when we rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep, no matter how desensitized we might be to the the idea of strangers or random faceless individuals because that's the job, when we 
are reminded of the value of, of life. And often what has to remind us of the value of life is going to be the ones that are most valuable to us. No, we never get used to it. Um, we, we do not get desensitized to it. In fact, the person that's desensitized to it is going to be venturing into a realm of, uh, uh, of mental instability uh, and quite possibly a psychological disorder. Mm-hmm. So, no, we... We don't get used to it. I don't want to get used to it. Um, I don't want to get used to losing anything, uh, especially not those that are near and dear. Yeah, and you think about what death is. It's a punishment. It did not exist when God first created man. It was not on the table. It was on the table the moment he told them, if you do this, you will die. That's that's what it was. It was not the intended, but it was intended as God saying, this is a punishment. If you disobey... You're going to die. And they disobeyed. And then death entered into the world, and they began the process of dying at that very moment. And I think about any punishment. You know, if you get pulled over by a police officer and you get a ticket, it's supposed to hurt your pocketbook a little. It's supposed to give some type of incentive to say, I will stop doing what I got caught doing. Same with a child. You know, you discipline your child. You, you don't ever say to the child, I can't believe you would do that. Let's go to Disney World. You know, you, you're trying to get across something that will cause pain, even if it's as simple as saying that new toy you got, we're going to be donating that. You're not going to have it anymore. And sometimes even something like that can just invoke a response of sorrow, yeah, especially with little children. You tell a child that the new toy that they got because they have a bad attitude, okay, mom and daddy are taking that away. And all of a sudden, it's like you you know, you killed that that toy right in front of them, and they think that you're being this horrible parent, but it's a punishment. Death, if we ever got used to it, then it wouldn't sting. I think there's a difference between being used to knowing where people go when they die, which is the next question uh, that we'll get to in just a second, and a difference between being cold-hearted about it. Um, I have lost dear friends, dear relatives. Some I have cried over hard because of how close I was to them. As I've gotten a little older, not as many tears sometimes have been shed when I knew they were in the Lord because I know where they are. It's sorrow that I don't get to be with them anymore, but the hope that I have of being able to go and be with them because of where they've gone. And I think that's that's an important distinction to make. Uh, Getting used to it, I don't think that that's what we're ever looking for, for sure. One thing that can help us to face it is, and it's a thought that we do not often consider, but God said, the day you eat thereof, you'll begin to die. Dying, mm-hmm. you'll begin to die, is the general idea of the, the verbiage. Instead of the day you eat of it, you are you are going to undergo the second death, spiritual death. No, the, the day you eat of it, mortal death is what you're going to face. God did not instantly subject all mankind to spiritual death, nor is every individual uh, instantly and finally condemned to spiritual death because of individual sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's There's a chance to get out of it. Mm-hmm. There's a chance to escape spiritual death. but in order for us to escape spiritual death, there has to be a physical death. We have to die to sin. Right. And the only way we can die to sin is to obey the gospel of Christ because he's already died for sin on our behalf. Right. Without physical death, 
the grace of God is not available for us. There is, so there is a sense in which physical death is actually God giving us a chance for spiritual life. I've never, I mean, not that I've never heard that before, but so concise. That was a great point. Um, something that we need to think about, the almost the benefit of knowing that we were not cast out like we could have been. Uh, but there is something that happens when we die. You know, I, I've heard it said before, uh, you die, you become a pile of dust, and we move on with life. That's not true. Uh, th- th- that's such a sad way to look at life. And so w- what happens when we die? When we die, when Michael, Scott, and Wayne are no longer on this earth, where do we go? What happens to us? Uh, I was doing a little bit of research, and Wayne Jackson had a great article about death in general. Um, but he makes the point here from a physical vantage point, death is the, is the cessation of the biological life. All the functions of the body cease. At death, the body immediately begins to decay, and so there's a disintegration back to the dust of the earth. Well, is that, is that the end, though? That's, that's not, again, there's more to the story than that. Uh, it involves, obviously, that separation of the spirit from the body, so it's that spiritual life now that's going to continue in eternity, not the physical body. That has died. And, and just like, you know, to, to be able to, to understand the idea of, of salvation, as Scott was making the point, there has to be that physical dying to sin mm-hmm. in order to have spiritual life, and and so in order to have that salvation, and and so when you think about death is not the end spiritually speaking, physically it is, but spiritually that's that's the the door if you will you know the, at that that point in time when when that takes place, you are as you know your spirit being you know your soul is is awaiting day of judgment right and awaiting eternity mm-hmm. and so and you have uh you know you're waiting that that day of judgment it's appointed unto men wants to die after this the judgment hebrews 9 verse 27 so it's appointed unto all men to die right you know and and so it's something again that we all we all face but it's there's again the other side to this is that we know that God has made a way to even overcome even death. So, And we want to be careful when we talk about what happens when we die because often the, the immediate thought that goes through people's minds is, well, I go to heaven. Well, is, is Scripture clear on teaching that a person goes directly to heaven or directly to hell? We think about just a couple of statements, uh, Jesus and John twelve forty eight, uh, he he that rejects me receives not my words has one that judges him the word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day, mm-hmm. or you think about Paul's words in Acts seventeen he is appointed a day and he in which he will judge all the world. Now there is a sense in which God is judging all the world. Matthew twenty five Jesus said all nations are gathered together before him. So based on those passages, if all the world has not been judged, then really no one has. Right. Now, of course, there are some theological debates over that, and let them be what they will. But the point to make is simply this. No matter what the immediate destination is upon the departure of the Spirit from the body, Luke 16 makes it clear that that, that poor beggar Lazarus was taken by angels to Abraham's bosom. That sounds like a nice place to me. Mm-hmm. 
whatever it was there, and I think that's the paradise Jesus described in Luke 23, but that Abraham's bosom, that sounds all right, Mm -hmm. as opposed to where that rich man went because he he died and was buried. And being in torments, he lifted up his eyes. At death, there is a separation between the followers of God and those that did not. Whether that separation is the final heaven and the final hell, personally, I don't think so. But instead of debating it, we can know what our eternal destiny is going to be, and we can be making preparations for it. (laughs) And I want to be ready before the day that I die. We had someone over for dinner. This is a... You you want a weird illustration? Talk about separating body and spirit. This is this is what came to my mind immediately. Oh, Somebody came over to dinner. <laughs> we were having breakfast food, and they couldn't have yolk in their eggs. I don't know if you know this trick or not, but you can empty a water bottle out, and you can put that egg cracked in a bowl, and you can take that water bottle and squeeze and suck that egg yolk into the bottle, separating it from the whites of the egg, which that person could have. And so we did that, and then we made their eggs that way. You think when you crack an egg open like that, how can I separate that? There's no way. They're, they're, they're just too close to each other. There's a way. And if it's that easy with an egg when you just have the knowledge of, oh, if I do this, this is what happens. When I read in Scripture, God calls my spirit home. The angels come, and they take me to Abraham's bosom. Or, unfortunately, I'm taken to a place of torment, as we read in Luke 16. Uh, there's a way. And I, I'm, I tend to agree with you, you know, when you're talking about, do we know for sure, definitively, I can't really say yes or no to, but there's no real point in debating. If, if Abraham's bosom's where I'm going to end up, I do know that the rich man said he was tormented and Abraham's bosom was a comforting place. That's all I really need to know. Uh, but something that was said years ago, by my dad when my grandmother passed that has stuck with me all these years uh, is leading into our last question here. She died very unexpectedly and never knew she was sick. Um, and dad said one one day, a couple days after she had passed, can you believe that angels were in this room? And they carried her. And that just, well, you talk about a, a, an impactful moment of realization of what that text truly means that the angels came and carried Lazarus into the bosom of Abraham. They did that for her too. And we didn't see them. Nobody came by and told us that they were coming. You know, they didn't didn't tell us they were there. But scripture tells me they were. And that is a big comfort what happens when we die of knowing if I'm faithful, I don't make that journey alone. And God sends angels to come and take me. What a, what a blessing that is. But that leads me, I, I kind of alluded to it already, but I think you guys can give some scriptures for it and make it more concise. We sometimes hear people, they get a diagnosis. You have six months. You have a year. Is it always like that? Do we always know when we're going to die? Well, we need to realize that we are all terminal. Right. No matter what. Now, my terminal condition may have another 60 years ahead of me. My terminal condition may have another 60 minutes or less. Um, whatever the case, it's appointed unto man once to die and after death the judgment. But there will be those that are still alive and remain when Christ returns. Whatever the case, whether we're talking about we which are alive and remain to his return, First Thessalonians 4, or whether we're talking about those that leave this life, 
while I cannot know when it's time to leave, as we mentioned a moment ago, I can know whether or not I'm ready Mm -hmm. to leave. So we think about the brevity of life. Job described days as swifter than a weaver shuttle or as swift as a post. James said your life is like a vapor. No matter what figure I use, it's temporary. Mm -hmm. It's fragile. It's limited. I can't know when, but I can expect that it is going to end. That's right. Wayne? Yeah, obviously we're not given a specific date and time. Uh, even even doctors, when they give, you know, six months, you know, or whatever, three to six months, you know, a lot of times it's very, very general in that. And somebody may live longer. They may right. live years longer, uh, you know, or they may die the next day. Uh, they really do not know. The, obviously, there's some medical conditions that can mm-hmm. kind of, that they've been able to see. And we can, you know, justly say, okay, this, with this condition and this person, you know, going through this, this is what we would expect. Um, and, and a lot of times they're, they're, they're pretty good at having a, a, a guess, you know, an educated guess, we might say. But still, we just do not know. And so the point that we've made through all this is be ready. Mm-hmm. Always be ready. Absolutely. Well, another fine episode. I appreciate you guys so much and looking forward to having them back on next week when we talk about far better than focusing on other people and their sins. Uh, Scott and Wayne will be back for three more episodes after this one, and we look forward to that. Uh, But until then, don't forget to check the show notes for the information. Uh, If you'd like to know more about Family Bible Time, that'd be a great blessing, I know, for your family to consider doing that. Uh, Not consider, you should be doing that. Uh, Fathers, you need to be taking an emphasis and a leadership role, like the Bible tells us, to put an emphasis on that in your family. If you want help with that, Scott's your man, and he can even direct you to others that he knows that are also good at this that would give you some good insight. But uh, check the show notes for all the information and tune in next week. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.